I think also this like the, the, these big machines that we have nowadays um, also have led to kind of a like a brute force approach, right? So we're trying to build bigger and bigger, more complicated model and feed it with more and more data. But um, we sort of we don't really know what is happening under the hood, and that that also is part of the problem. Yeah, I think I mean in a way it's also the way that like how this research is structured, right? So research is a very like highly competitive activity and and these uh, as i said so having these sort of example data sets and then uh you're trying to build systems that perform well of them right so you it gets very like metrics driven hello everyone welcome to your brand new podcast called in your shoes this podcast is for you to learn more about new people and professions from around the world. I would like to take you on a journey to understand the life and times of a new person every two weeks and get a chance to get into their shoes to learn what they do, why they do, and how they do it. Mikio is a respected technologist and researcher with a deep experience in software development and machine learning. I met Mikio at my work and I found him to be an original thinker who is well-connected and has a pulse on the latest and greatest in the field of applied machine learning. It is so amazing to have him on the podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Mikio. Hello. Thanks for having me. And am I pronouncing your name correctly, the first name? Um, yes, Mikio. Yeah. Brilliant. So, Mikio, for our podcast listeners, could you kindly share a little bit about yourself, like where you come from and what you do for a living? Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm German. So my mother is Japanese, but I was born and raised in Germany. And currently, I'm working as a staff data scientist at Get Your Guide, uh, a startup that sells like touristic activities around the world. And what does a staff data scientist do at Get Your Guide? Uh, so the staff level, that's like that's like one level above the senior uh, level. So, uh, but I also just started a couple of months back. So I think the um, it's actually a bit. I think it's still in flux. We're still trying to figure out what it exactly is. But the idea is sort of to be a data scientist, but to have a, a, a wider scope than a, a senior who works in a single team, you know, and look at um, topics and projects that that have a bit broader impact across the company. So, so for example, one of the topics that I'm looking after is how to improve the general tooling that we have uh, to help the other data scientists get better at machine learning or, or to do that more easily. Okay. And for the broad range of our podcast listeners, could you explain what does a data scientist do? Okay. So data scientist, um, so it, it's kind of like a, so, so I think it's a, it's a developer, right? So you write programs, um, but at the same time, you're also good at analyzing data. And then like it, you probably heard about AI and all this stuff. So essentially... So data scientists are familiar with all the basic technology that, that's required to um, write programs that can learn from data and, and maybe even do something intelligent. So you're um, essentially writing programs, but you're also using statistics um, and all kinds of like complicated mathematics to, to make sense of the data and then um, do stuff. And usually you... Uh, in the context of a company, you work on parts of the the product, 
um, where you have to sort of, which are not as clean cut as as you could just give have, have a program write this right. So one like example is uh, so on any e-commerce website you have these recommendation boxes. So every time you see a product, you have like a list of stuff that that's sort of similar and. Um, so it, it's quite hard to come up with good recommendations just by writing a program. So what you usually do is you look at the behavior of the customers and then figure out actually what are similar uh, products to the one shown. <clears throat> and this is this is like a typical application case where you have a data scientist who gathers the data, analyzes it, and then then creates something um, yeah, that hopefully works in a way that, that makes sense. Brilliant. Thank you, Mikio, for explaining that. And you mentioned something in your reply about creating and deriving intelligence. So for me, it's very interesting to hear what, how do you see intelligence and how do you define intelligence? Aha. <laughs> so I think the, the, the interesting thing about intelligence is that it's, uh, so we don't really know uh, what it is, right? So I think, or like, so ever since we had computers, um, people started thinking about how you could make them stuff that that sort of we're doing, right? So I think when they started in the 40s, um, it was a, I mean, computers originally started as a way of, of automating computing, I mean, numerical computations, uh, which before that, so people were really doing that by hand and then they had some like computing machines or something and then suddenly you had a computer which you could program to do um, like a whole set of complicated computations, right? And that was very impressive and they thought, okay, if computers can do this, then so how long will it take till computers can do anything that the human mind can also do? Uh, but then, of course, now that's, I don't know, how many years is it? 80 years? Yeah. Uh, and we still haven't figured it out, right? So it's it's, it's pretty elusive what it exactly means. Um, but the way that the sort of that we're approaching this question right now is often through defining specific tasks where we would say, okay, this is something we need a com we need a human to be able to do that. Um, so, for example, to recognize uh, like what object is shown in a picture, so whether it's a picture of a dog or a cat or something, right? And then you can compile like lots of examples and show it and say, okay, if somebody can do this with very high accuracy or a machine can do that, then that that's like one form of intelligence. So, yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, so we, there are many different aspects to it. So there's like um understanding what is in pictures there's language understanding translation then of course the whole area of games right so we got quite good at having computers that can uh, play like strategic games and so on so there's it's less like we don't really know what intelligence is but there are, there are many many tasks which over the time we've tried to tackle and, and actually write computer programs that can solve them right i think it's very nicely put uh so Mikio, this brings me to this curiosity that what made you choose this line of work and uh, why do you do what you do in your in your day-to-day -day life? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, actually, I think it, the, this goes like way back. So I was like a classical computer nerd. So I started, I don't know, when I got my first computer with... 10 or 12 or something and I just started learning basic so it was back in the 80s so we were all 
programming like small little programs in basic um and i don't know at the time i already always had this interest in in artificial intelligence you know i found it very fascinating so i was um yeah reading books about that uh and of course i, lo I loved sci-fi and I, I so i think the original appeal was always sort of to have like a constructive uh, model of the human mind um and i don't know so when i started uh, and then I decided to study computer science, but I, I always wanted to go into that area. And then I, yeah, somehow, so I also ended up doing the masters in, in like this area. So uh, machine learning, as it was called back then. Um, yeah, and I was doing all of that, right? And then I think that the, the term data scientist that, that only came up like in the, in the mid 2000s. Um, yeah. So I mean, actually, so actually, I stayed. I mean, in my career, I uh, did a master, then I did a PhD till 2005, and then first I was a postdoc, uh, like a researcher in machine learning for I think 11 years before uh, I left the, I left academia and joined Zalando, where we, we two met. Uh, so actually, I was I was sort of following that whole um, research, trying to figure out how to build intelligent machines for for I would say the majority of my um, professional life so far but it really started already when I was a like a teenager I was already very interested in all of that thank you so when you look back Mikio uh, in the time where you were a teenager and being inspired and curious about this field and now today in 2020 how do you see this whole field has transformed uh, what how do you see that transition so, I mean, obviously we have like a lot of progress, I think, which uh, I think also came from having like faster and faster computers and, and bigger computers and being able to process more and more data. So that that's like super impressive. Uh, and there are like small things like the, like, like, um, so how well uh, like a, a smartphone can understand if you speak to it. Right, so I still remember like the first systems that they deployed uh, like on a phone, so where you could call a hotline and then you would talk to a computer. I think the, the Deutsche Bahn had a system where you could call it and you were talking to a computer and you could get a schedule and it didn't work at all, right? So there were like comedians calling that number and just saying something and making fun of it. It was really hilarious. Uh, and I needed the small things and then nowadays it works really well, right? So the, uh, there, there's a lot of progress in these areas. But then at the same time, I'm also thinking, I'm also wondering whether we really got any closer to having like really intelligent systems because it seems like we, we got really good at building systems that can in, in, uh, imitate a specific like skill or task, right? But we haven't, we haven't put these things together to like to have something or, or sometimes also it becomes quite clear that something is really just still imitation. So, for example, we have these. So, in the past few years, there was a lot of progress made on like like speech models. So, models that can. Um, uh, I don't know if you heard about that, but so you have models that actually they they sort of predict what the next what the next good word in a text could be, but they are so uh, rich that they actually you can sort of seed them with a few sentences, and then they can produce a few paragraphs of stuff that looks more or less coherent. So Facebook is working on that and Google and all of them. But if you look at these transcripts, right, it, 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 it's really odd. It's like somebody who 
who's sort of barely listening, who's just trying to come up with something that sort of fits the topic. So it's like on a, on a higher level, it's still very, very inconsistent. And you can see somebody's, or if this were a human, right, you would really question their, their, their sanity because they seem super incoherent. So it's like grammatically correct, but they're jumping around and they're contradicting themselves and all of that. So, yeah, so on the one hand, like a lot of progress, but I think there's also like it's still something lacking in the, in the approach. Thank you, Mikio, for sharing that. As a practitioner of this field, Mikio, what is your take on why is it hard to solve this problem and why it takes a longer time to be able to accomplish uh, building intelligent machines? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think part of the problem is that we don't really know what the like what the problem actually is, right? So we only always have these small tasks or bigger tasks, and then we can try to build something that that sort of works well. Um, but the I think also this like the, the, these big machines that we have nowadays um, also have led to kind of a like a brute force approach, right? So we're trying to build bigger and bigger, more complicated model and feed it with more and more data. But um, we sort of we don't really know what is happening under the hood, and that that also is part of the problem. Yeah, I think I mean in a way it's also the way that like how this research is structured, right? So research is a very like highly competitive activity and and these uh, as i said so having these sort of example data sets and then uh you're trying to build systems that perform well of them right so you it get very like metrics driven um and and that also i think if it's something is very metrics driven it's also often the case in the company right so you sort of you you tend to forget what the actual goal is because you're just trying to push push the metric to get better numbers. Yeah. But yeah, I think the, yeah, so in, in one, so we have started to also try to get these more integrated uh, systems that, that don't just do a single task, but are more like interactive in the real world. So in a way like autonomous driving, you could see these as, as robots who are actually like out in the world and, and, Right, so they have to do like a lot of things to be able to perform well. Um, but actually, if you look at what these these systems are doing, you see that a lot of them is still like proper classical engineering and less like data-driven intelligence stuff. Right. So if you have a car and you want to go somewhere, like a lot of the uh, the route planning or the actual like lane changing stuff, that's all more like classical engineering. Right. And Miku, when I asked you about how have you seen this transition you mentioned about uh, we we are not yet there to solve intelligence and uh, i wanted to understand from the time that you were teenager and excited about this field and now when you are actually part of this domain and part of this whole group of practitioners who are trying to solve this problem what keeps you going? With what keeps you excited and hopeful for the future in this field? I mean, so on the one hand, I think the, the progress is also exciting, but I think also, so I'm always thinking ahead and asking, okay, with, with what we have right now, what could the next step be, right? It's uh, so like even even if we say what we have today is, is like a lot of imitation and not really intelligence, 
I mean, we still have stuff that works pretty well and systems that we didn't have 10 years ago. So my question is always, so what could we do now with that? Right. And then um, I think also over time, so I also got interested not just in the technology per like itself, but also what you can do with it, like what kind of products you could build around that. And then, um, so that's sort of the other, like I think that's sort of the computer scientist in me, right, who uh, who wants to to write programs or do build products that are that are interesting and useful. Um, yeah, and actually for these, you often don't need these cutting edge uh, like intelligent algorithms, but you could still you can still do a lot of uh, useful stuff with with using data. So, yeah. so I think it's uh, I think we already like if you look at the toolbox that we already built up in the last decades right there's a lot of stuff you could use yeah and um, i think we, we still have there's like lo still lots of opportunities to do that and that that's what i'm that's what i find interesting okay thank you mikio uh so mikio you mentioned that you are a staff data scientist at uh get your guide what is your typical day if you have a typical day usually look like <laughs> uh Yes. So the actually, there I think there are like different modes. So one one thing I I decided or wanted to do joining Get Your Guide was to get more hands on again. So so sometimes I have I'm just working on some project, right? And then like it's every day, it's uh, it's a bit like like a classical engineering or computer like developer job. Um, or the day, I mean, okay, if you don't know what that is, right, but usually so in the morning you have a check-in with the team, so everybody just gives an update where they are, and then uh, you start working on the code, you know, just which can take days or longer, or you're debugging code and stuff like that. Um, so that's sort of the project mode. Then there's another thing when, uh, when there's like a bigger topic, um, so I've started to develop some kind of like like approach where so first I try to talk to everybody to get a picture uh, from everybody about a topic. So for example, I get your guide. Uh, right, the question was so we already have a lot of systems in place, infrastructure for the data scientists. Uh, like what are the pain points? What could we change? And and what I did is I started like setting up like one hour interviews and just ask people and let them. Uh, talk about like what they're using, what they're doing, what their pay points are, what they think could be improved and so on. Um, so that's sort of the other mode, right? So lots of talking and then I, I take that, I try to organize the information that I got and then write up something and then uh, share that again, get feedback and so on. So I think that's that are maybe the, the, the main. Okay, and then the third is, uh, so sometimes I'm just asked to join some meetings as an as an expert to give my opinion on some topics. Yeah, so it's a, uh, I think it's a, uh, so in the, in the, in the best, if it, if it goes well, right, it's a good mix of sort of being focused, working on some code. Um, and then the other is like more conceptual work. Okay. Uh, you mentioned about that this role also includes communication and working with other roles uh, in, in your workplace. So could you give us a view of how do you work with other people apart from just writing code? I don't know. I think the, it's always important to first to get some some connection, right? So just 
meeting up, just talking a little bit about the background, where also where people come from, what, what they've done in the past, and then what their current role is, uh, and so on. And then again, I think the so the 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 thing, the way I try to to work is sort of understand what everybody's thinking about some some problem or what they what their needs are, and then trying to figure out whether there's a solution. Uh, if, if, if if we're talking about a problem, um, that that sort of is a good compromise between like what everybody needs. So. Yeah, so it's a part like that is a bit networking, and then I think it's also like listening a lot, uh, talking to people, giving feedback. I don't know. That's so the. Don't know whether that's clear enough, but that's the, <laughs> I would say like the normal, normal part of what what you often do, like in a technical, uh, role, working with other roles. Right, and the. Yes, no, I think the sort of the because at Zalando also. So I've, I've worked in many different roles, right? So in the like in research, I was a postdoc and I supervised PhD students. And then Zalando, the first two years, I was a engineering manager for developers and data scientists. And then later on, I, I had this principal role. Um, so I've over the time I worked with with many different roles, like product managers and department heads and so on. Um, so I think it's, it's also important to to sort of understand a little bit how each of these roles work and, and typically uh, what's important for these roles. Right. So in a broad sense, Mikio, could you help us understand what kind of skills does a person in your role need to be successful? Um yeah, I think on, so. On the one hand, there is the like the actual technical knowledge, right? So you need to, I mean, I think as a data scientist, you can you can sort of choose whether you want to focus on one specific area of algorithms or have like more broad, or if you want to go into uh, like systems and infrastructure and so on. But I I think that needs to be there. So you need to be able to understand how how things work, how technologies play together, and so on. Um, and for that, I think also you need, you should have like quite sound understanding of the mathematical, uh, basics, right? Because, um, so it's still quite new technology and often sometimes it fails in very like unpredictable or surprising ways, which are also different from, I think, how classical computers fail. So uh, classical programs, right? So if you have a bug, the, the program just crashes or you can look at some error messages or something. But if, when you're doing data analysis, it could be that the program itself works, but there's something wrong with the computation, right? So the pro there are no error messages. It's just that the output is not what you expected. And then you have to sort of debug, but in a different way. So you have to look at intermediate results and see and try to figure out what's happening. And for that, you also need to understand how the, how the, um, the, the things work. So that's that's the one part, right? And then I think it's it's also quite important because it's so you have to work with like product managers, uh, with other engineers. So you also have to have like this uh, also with customers, right? So you have to also be able to to interface with with many different roles well. So you have to have good communication skills and um, also to explain like outcomes of your work to people who who do not actually have the expertise in that area. Um, yeah, I think that's the other part. 
you know so sometimes you're doing so let's say if you're if you're analyzing data and sometimes you need you just need this for yourself to know how to improve the algorithm but sometimes you're also actually doing an analysis for uh, some product manager to make a decision like in which way to improve the product and so on uh, and these are all like different different and you have to be able to explain uh, your outcomes in a way that the audience can understand okay so one is a whole part of technical skills and the other is being able to communicate and work with these different roles uh, in an organization yeah okay i have one last sub question for this how do you see the understanding of this relatively new field amongst the roles that you work with in past or in your in your ex- current uh, work environment i think the understanding is um yeah can, can be on a whole range i mean as usual right so in the best case you have a like say if you're like the for example i think that it's important that the product manager also has some understanding of how data science how these methods work and um like what the potential is because it's we it can shape the way in which a product is designed very much uh and but but i think what some sometimes people are not aware of that like data science is is different if compared to if you do like a pure engineering project because um right so i think with an engineering project it's it's more it's more uh, i mean software engineering uh it's more like there's like the best practices how you do stuff and like ways in which you should organize your code right it's more uh like if you know how to do it then you have a higher chance of of doing the right thing so if you have somebody who's experienced they will design a system in a way which is good and so on to know all the technologies um and i think with data science so as soon as you have data there's a higher degree of of just uncertainty right so you don't know so you have to figure out stuff you have to look at the data you have to figure out whether the data has the information that you actually need whether the quality is okay and so on and that means that the also product like projects where you have a high degree of data science they also have a bit of different different setup so you have to invest more or you have to be more comfortable working with these uncertainties right so you cannot make like a three month plan and then say okay after one month we have this but might take longer or shorter Uh, and, and managing this kind of stuff is is um, difficult. I think all, and and I think it's important that the other roles also understand that because otherwise it doesn't doesn't really work. Um, yeah, and I say so. There are many people who are sort of aware of it, but maybe not not like fully. Right? So there, it's always a bit of of uh, negotiation and explaining that's necessary so that people really understand uh, yeah, what to expect. Thank you. Thank you Mikhail for sharing that. I want to take a segue right now to a completely different part of our conversation. So every profession and every job has their own perceptions from people outside or we sometimes also call it stereotypes. And these perceptions are sometimes true and sometimes outright completely wrong. What are the stereotypes or external perceptions about your profession that you know about okay um i i think like i mean data no not just data science but developers 
uh, as a whole, or software engineers, they have they often have the stereotype, right, of being like spending a lot of time in front of computers and not uh, not being able to socialize well and all of that that goes with that. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, I've been like in conversations where, or like it, it's for me, it's like whenever somebody asks me like what I do for a living, uh, who's not in the field, right? I'm always very uh, sort of. I first have to think a lot, like how to explain it, because I don't want to say I work on AI, right? Which which would be an overstatement. <laughs> but then on the other hand, also it's, it's very complicated, right? So what I'm actually doing. Uh, and I remember I've been once at a party and somebody asked me and I just took like these few seconds to to think about what it is. And then they immediately said like, oh, okay, you're a computer scientist or you're a software engineer because you're... So I think what they said is don't, don't try to be like a typical software engineer and just talk or something, right? But actually it was something different happening. Um, and I think actually the... I mean, there's definitely some some truth to that because uh, like the work sometimes is or like part of the work is really like you in front of a computer. But on the other hand, um, so software engineering is also uh, very much a team activity, right? I think so where, whenever you go somewhere, you're in a team, you have to work with other people um, and you also have to communicate a lot. And I think that's, that's why it's not really true. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being uh, open about sharing this. Uh, so, Mikio, with the wealth of experience and the and the trajectory that you had with your career, if someone listening to this podcast want to come into the same profession as yours, what do you advise them? Like, what should they learn, and what experiences, particularly, they should have uh, so that they are ready for this profession? Yeah, I think the so there are actually like two ways in which you can sort of end up in this profession and one is you you're already like a software engineer and you want to go into data science or the other is that you for some reason you already have a lot of experience with data analysis so you're i don't know you studied physics or something or statistics um and then the other way around but i think so the um as i said so so you have to be to learn like the the programming the uh being able to to do the data analysis, right? I think that's the, the the minimum, and also have a solid understanding of the of the methods themselves. And so, I mean, classically you would go to university and study it, but I think nowadays there are many many like online resources where you can also learn that. Um, and then the one thing that sort of even at universities you don't learn is the like in practice if you have a project that runs with data science, how do you structure such a project? Uh, because as I said, I think it's different, right? So you have to do that at least once. Um, so I think the so these three things, like right, so knowing how to how to program, then having the basics, and then applying that in a in a uh, sort of could also be just like a pet project, but actually going the whole um, the whole way from collecting data, preparing the data, training models, and so on. Uh, I think that's very, that's like the minimum experience you should have. Uh, and then I think the everything which you have beyond that is a plus. So if you, you could be more solid in programming or or deeper in, in, in the statistics and so on, you know. Okay. So, Mikio, thank you for sharing the information. I hope this is useful for someone who's listening to the podcast and want to 
wants to get into this uh, this profession of yours. I want to end our conversation with uh, asking you about your recommendations, uh, especially perhaps books, blogs, uh, or podcasts that you think um, others will enjoy like you do and maybe relevant for the work that you are doing. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm I'm more of a of a book person, I would say. So I, I don't. Um, yeah, so I think I, I found most of the blogs that I, I that I blog posts I read either through Twitter or some so. But there's nothing there which I really like follow a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, so like when it comes to the basics, I think there are many. Um, yeah, there are many, many books out there that, that are, I think, good introductions to machine learning. I'm still, it's, so it's, I, I don't, there's not really like one book which I say you should really read because everything's in there. Because there's like traditionally there are the books which are more like university textbooks, but these usually require a lot of mathematics and uh, like, like knowledge you should have before that. Or there are also more recently many, many books which, uh, which assume you're coming more from the programming side, right? So they have Python and then uh, so O'Reilly has lots of them and, and other other publishers as well. But um, yeah, I've, so my time reading the stuff that's so so old, so I've, I've read like a lot of these. Oh, I, I can't, I, so the, if you would read the same books that I had, then it's like like 10 of them, 10 of them. So it, it's hard for me to suggest like one one main book so what I'm I'm reading right now, but on the other hand, so what I'm reading right now, or what I read re in the past few years, what I found very interesting are also the question, like more bigger questions, like like how do you organize uh, a company, or how do you sort of build products, that kind of thing. And so one book I found very interesting it was called The Connected Company, which I think tries to answer this the, this like how do you structure a company in a way that you can still have teams which are very small and can innovate, but still have a foundation on which you which you can build upon. So I've read that book a few years back, but I'm still coming back to that so every time I think about, okay, how do we um, create uh, like a machine learning platform or something, right? I always find ideas from that book coming back to me. Um, then another thing which is, I think, super interesting uh, is... Um, so it's like a, a book, but which is on Medium by uh, Simon Wardley, who created a, a thing called the Wardley Maps, which is like a um, like a way to think about if you have a company, like what are the different parts of the company, or like the, the technology stack. So what is the like you have a website and then you have the infrastructure and so on, but to to visualize that in a way that you can also see like what is like where are these components like in their life cycle and and like what is going to happen, right? So he has this idea of it's not just a, like a graph, but it's really a map. And then there are like things you can predict because it's it's always happening. So for example, he says technology always goes from like being new and then being refined. And then at some point it becomes commoditized, right? And that's like a, and then he says like usually in a company you have some stuff which is really new. And then there is stuff which is like close to commoditization and that kind of thinking can then help you to decide where to 
like how to deal with these different things. Like super interesting. Uh, just just Google for it. Wadley Maps, and then it's like a 500-page book, which which is a series of posts on Medium. Yeah, and then so finally, I'm also I've also been reading. Uh, so this is a book I wanted to recommend in some form for a long time, uh, which, which is more like a, like a philosophy book. So I'm also very interested, I think, in the like like what are we humans actually doing on the planet and what's the purpose of all that. So there's a book called the the Happiness Hypothesis, and that sort of collects all kinds of like scientific soci sociology and religion stuff to sort of try to understand how like how the human mind works and, and how we find purpose and so on, right? So it, um, so for example, it makes some connection, um, right? So it's, uh, or no, it's, it, it sort of discusses like how, how humans are social beings, right? And this whole idea of reciprocity. So when, I don't know whether I pronounced it correctly, right? But so how, how that, that creates like a web of interlinks between all the humans and, and like it's it's just part of what we have, and I thought that had very many inter very interesting perspectives on so many different aspects um, of human life. So these would be my three recommendations. Thank you. Those are fantastic recommendations, and I will have them also in the show notes so that others who are listening to the podcast can can get hold of them. So thank you, Mikio. I think this conversation was very stimulating for me, and uh, I hope this is same for our listeners. And uh, Mikio, what would be the right channel if uh, listeners would like to reach out to you if they have further questions or they seek advice? Um, yeah, so you can either on, on Twitter or you can find me on LinkedIn. So my Twitter handle is just my name, Mikio Braun. Um, and just get in contact with me there. Thank you. Thank you again, Mikio. Uh, it was uh, a pleasure to have you on this podcast today and I hope we get to talk to you again uh, to into something more detailed and more something niche uh, the next time. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining this podcast. I hope this was useful and you learned a lot. For more such great podcasts, please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast channel in your shoes on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Music. New podcasts uploaded every two weeks. Goodbye.